Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. The word Advent means coming or the arrival. And the season is time traditionally for expectation. Uh, The Advent season is a waiting and an expectation. There is an anticipation. There is a longing. There is a waiting for the time. That's what Advent means. When you think about Advent, you should always think about the word arriving. And think about it as a longing to for something to occur, a longing for something to happen. There's a text that I want to go over this morning. It's found in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And here's what occurred. As you may or may not know, the Israelites were in rebellion against God. They would draw close and then go far away. And there were these prophets that would come and they would prophesy and they would say, this is what the Lord God has said. And then they would speak. And when they would speak, they would speak to Israel. And it most of the time was about repentance. But Malachi, right at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi had a different word. And here's what he said. He said, look, this is from the Lord. He says, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, so if he doesn't come, otherwise I will come and strike the land. With a curse. Now, at the time of Jesus' arrival, I want you to understand what's going on. They are under Roman rule. They had been overtaken by the Romans, and they were under Roman rule. That's why we see it play out, and we saw it play out when we went through John. The back and forth between Roman rule and the Israelite representative going back and forth of who would tell, who would say that Jesus needed to die. At the time, I want you to get this. At the time, there had not been a prophet for 400 years. 400 years. Just to put that in perspective of how long ago, how far, how long that is. When we hear 400 years as, con, as the context between the whole scriptures, we're like, well, 400 years, that's a long time. But listen, for us guys, 400 years ago here where we are, if my history is correct, I believe that uh, the Mayflower had just landed. Am I right about that? Is that my, wasn't it 1619? Where, where's my history teacher? Isn't it, you don't know, do you? You don't know. Is it 1619? Is that when it was? I wish Ken was here as well. Uh, am I right about that? 1619, correct? They landed right there at Plymouth Rock. Yeah, 1619. We'll pretend like we know, okay? 
Um, we may have a history opening uh, next year. Just let me know. I'm just kidding, Eva. We love you. Um, anyway, so 16 when? 20? 1620. They set sail in 1619 then, right? <laughs> so what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying, guys. Listen. It would be between that time and now. And generation after generation after generation after... Hold on, let me stop. Eva knew the answer. She just didn't want to show me up. Thank you, Eva, for not being mean, okay? Eva's never coming back to church here again, ever. And she's quitting Monday. Anyway, so listen, that's how long it had been. It had been that long. It had been generation after generation after generation after generation. Not one prophet, not one man of God had come out and spoken as a prophet, as the voice piece, as the mouthpiece for God himself. Self. The last thing they were left with, can we bring Malachi back up? The last thing they were left with was, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day. That's the last thing that they were left with. Now, they were anxiously wanting a king to defeat the oppressors. And they had lost hope that that would occur. So Malachi makes his proclamation and literal darkness from heaven occurs. Not one word. And then this happens. Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17, says this. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary... An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John and you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. And here it is. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Here's the next one. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept, to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah said to the angel, how can this happen? I'm an old man and my wife is also well along in years. Nothing has occurred. And they had gotten into this ritual of going in to what, what they would do. Here's what they would do. Each week, one of the priests would be responsible for the temple. By the way, 
when the priest was done with the temple, guess where they would most of the time travel to? They didn't live in Jerusalem. Guess where they traveled to? Anybody want to guess? They traveled to Jericho. So the road to Jericho was constantly filled with religious people. Which if you remember, I taught you this at one point, that the people that the Good Samaritan for the road to Jericho, more than likely those people that walked by him constantly, the, the man in need, was probably a priest. They were probably, they were probably priests walking back and forth. And that was even more, Jesus wanted to show even more what it would look like. But they would come up for a week, they would do their stuff, and then they would go back. And then they would come up and they would go back. And that's how they worked. That was their jobs. And he was taking his turn and he was going into to do the offering, to the, to the temple to do the offering. It had heard nothing from the Lord in so long. And, and just, just a little bit of a glimmer. Lynn, can we do something? Can we cut the lights out in here? Can we shut off the lights? Can we cut them off? Cool. The... Can we cut the lights off here too? Can we shut these off too? Am I screwing you up, Lynn? I apologize. I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Literally, guys, what occurred was, was after 400 years, a small, a very small light was litten. It was lit, not litten. It was lit. I need to stay on the stage. Apparently I get uh, ignorant when I walk off. It was lit. A small light was lit. A small bit of, let me tell you what this is. The first glimmer of hope that God was going to draw near to his people. And the first thing that would occur would be, as Malachi had said, that God would send Elijah to the people to draw them back away. And we know that Elijah would be the forerunner to Christ. A small glimmer of hope. All right, turn the lights on. It's getting awkward. Guys, I'll tell you something. These days, I have no idea how people live without hope in Christ. Can I just tell you that? I have no idea how people live in today's society and do not have a walking, deep, loving relationship with Christ who is the one that brings us hope because He is the hope. I have no idea how you do it. I have no idea how you go day to day and you raise your children and you don't have a meaningful relationship 
with Jesus, the anchor for your very soul. The hope in Christ is the anchor for the soul. Whenever I, whenever I used to own a boat, all right, I owned a boat and I was awful with the anchor. I was terrible because I would get it. Wendy, you don't have to shake your head. Wendy was like, yes, he was. Let me tell you why I got rid of the boat. All right, here's why I got rid of the boat. I got the boat to relax on the water and to hang out and to have fun. What ended up occurring on the boat was, was that I had to be the one that took all the tarps off. I had to make sure it had gas. I had to make sure it had oil. I had to make sure all the inflatables were blown up. I had to make sure that the boat was stayed where it was. I had to make sure we didn't go too fast. I had to make sure everybody was safe. I had to make sure that the line was, was good. I had to, and on and on and on. And I realized I had to drive the boat every time. I had to drive the boat. I had to pull the, I, I, people were like, oh my gosh, let's go tubing. Yeah, let's go tubing. That means that I have to drive the boat over and over, crick my neck back and make sure that this person behind me doesn't die. It was the most miserable two years of my life. I was actually going to, I literally was like, you know, that anchor looks pretty good. I may just tie it around my leg and jump in. And everybody would leave the like, oh my gosh, didn't you guys have such a good time? And I said, no, I'm miserable. There's food all over the floor. They're crunching into the carpet. You know, the kids are all happy and I'm miserable. And I'm like, I can go work at the house and it's a lot cheaper. That was a side note that had nothing to do with the sermon and are not in my notes. <laughs> Miss Wendy. So we would go into this cove, big, huge cove, and I would put the anchor down, right? I'd put the anchor down. And my dad always taught me to do this. He said, son, whenever you anchor a boat down, he said, always look on the, look on the side of the bank and get a point and make sure that you're anchored down, right? To the point, because it'll stay there. Well, I anchored the boat down. And every single time I would anchor that boat down, about 30 minutes later, I would look for the point, and the point was over here. And I was drifting. And here's the crazy part. You didn't even know you were doing it. Now, I knew I was doing it because Holy Spirit, in the form of Wendy, would say, we're drifting. We're going toward the bank. The kids are going to get hurt. So anyway, but that's the case. We're drifting. And so I would go, doggone it. Everybody get your blinds up. All right, pull up the anchor. And I'd pull up and I'd throw the anchor back out. And I'd be like, all right, look, and I'd pull and it'd be tight. And I was like, we ain't going nowhere. It's chill city. And I would lay on the little couch thing that we had and everybody would be out 20, 30 minutes later. I think we're drifting. And I'd look and the spot would be over there again. And I'd pull. Hey, can I tell you something? That's what happens in our own lives too. It's a fact. If you don't have the anchor of Christ, I don't see how you don't go through life just drifting everywhere because he is the anchor. He is the hope, the hope and the anchor. I don't see how you would look at today's society and say, I think I got this. Because can I tell you something? When I look at today's society, I say, I absolutely under no circumstance have this. However, I know a guy that has this. And that is Christ, the hope that we have. I want to tell you a few things about hope this morning. The first thing is I want to tell you is this. Don't be afraid to hope. Don't be afraid to hope. A lot of us 
are not willing to hope anymore. We're not willing to hope anymore because we think we've quote unquote seen life and that's not how things work and this is not how things go. Don't be afraid to hope. Zechariah in Luke 1.18, he was like, man, how can this be? How can this be? If you look at Mary, right on a few, a few verses on verse 34, Mary says this. She says, she asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How can this be? For some reason, those people who've had hard lives, those people that are confused, they have a tendency not to be able to hope. A lot of us, you guys, don't have an ability to hope because we've been hurt and we've been disappointed and we have pain and we have grief and it can be very difficult to get our hopes up. So when Mary and Zechariah heard from the angel, their first response was no way. No way. That's not true. That doesn't make any sense. That's not true. Whenever we were going to plant the church, I can tell you that Lynn and I had a perfect plan. And it was a perfect, I think we had a three to five year plan of where we were going to be at. And we were going to, here's, here's how God was going to do everything. And we laid everything out. And none of it happened that way. None of it did. Can I tell you why none of it happened that way? It wasn't because we weren't faithful. And what? Because God wasn't faithful. Guys, you know why we didn't, it didn't happen that way? Because our dreams and our hopes for what God was going to do were way too small. And if you were there at the beginning, you know, way too small. Way too small. The first thing we tried to do was figure out how we could how we could raise this money because I didn't want to be in debt and how we could raise this money for a building and our people getting tired of coming over. You know, listen, the truth is, is that the reason we came to this building is because some of you sorry yaps got tired of putting chairs up and down in a, in a storage unit. Right. Are you all with me? Amen. That's right. Dan got tired of sitting up the stage every week that weighed five thousand pounds. Each block weighed. It was crazy. You know what I mean? Y'all got tired of lifting up chairs that had massive amounts of chewing gum underneath. Remember the chewing gum, y'all? Whoa, that was gross. We came over here for that. And boy, did God blow us away. We had an inability. We had the ability to get our hope up, but our hope was not as big as what God wanted. I'll tell you why Mary and Zachariah said it just doesn't make sense. I want to tell you guys this. God most of the time doesn't make sense. Let me tell you some things that don't make sense. It doesn't make sense that there would be a God that would protect his people and that he would split the seas where they could walk on dry land. It doesn't make sense that God would speak through a burning bush. It doesn't make sense that he could speak through a donkey. It doesn't make sense that he would lead people out of captivity. Did my mic go out from a powerful uh, country? It doesn't make sense that he would destroy two cities raining down fire from heaven. It doesn't make sense that he took the lesser David and defeated the greater Goliath. It doesn't make sense that he would shut the mouth of a lion for Daniel. It doesn't make sense that there would be three boys 
in a fiery furnace that would not burn up, but that the fourth would be the Son of God who would be there with them. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would come in the form of a baby. It doesn't make sense that there was a God that walked among us. It doesn't make sense that He cares for us. It doesn't make sense that He would come and suffer and die and rise again for us. It doesn't make sense that He would move a stone. And it doesn't make sense that He's still moving stones today. Can I tell you something? Don't be afraid to get your hope up. Jesus is your hope. And it's all true. And it's all wonderful. And it's all on display for the whole world to see, especially during this time of year. But that's not all hope is. Hope allows us to put the past behind us. I got a message from one of my neighbors the other day, and, and, and he was like, check this out. And apparently at Costco, they're selling boom boxes again. Has anyone seen a boom box at Costco? Like the silver kind with the two speakers and the cassette tape, right? And if I hadn't gotten committed back in the early 90s, you know, everybody said, hey, you're going to hell if you listen to, not, you don't listen to Sandy Patty and Michael W. Smith. They said, you're going to hell. And so I, got, I, got, I took my tan, my dark tan uh, cassette holder. Y'all remember the big dark cassette holders you used to have in your car? All right. For, Herb, that's for you. That's a reel-to-reel. We didn't have those then, but we did have a cassette tape. Um, but So we had the cassette tapes in the car, and I would take them, and I would put them in the cassette tapes. Well, I got, I got, I got you know, really convicted, guilted, and uh, um, not by God, by other people, but I got guilted, and, and I threw, I'll never forget it. I pulled behind Revco Drugstore where I worked, and I dumped every one of the cassette tapes. Man, was I an idiot. If I had those cassette tapes, I could go down to Costco, buy the boombox, and play them. Can I tell you guys something? Do you know how dumb it would be if y'all came in here and I had a boombox with a cassette tape and said, hey, you law, let's jam? Now, it would be funny, but it'd be like, why is he using a boombox? He's got a phone that's basically a computer and a music jukebox and everything else. Why would he do that? Well, I wouldn't. And of course, I would ask you the same question. Why is it that, that you allow the things that you've been told or the things that's happened to you or the experiences in life that you've had in the past, why is it that you continue to take those old cassette tapes out of the dumpster at Revco Drugstore and put those into a boom box that's very outdated? Why is it that you would do that and you would play those same old tapes in your mind over and over and over again? Why would you do that? Why would you allow somebody to say, hey, you know, because your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or someone in school or something happened to you and you were like, hey, you know, I'm this person, this is who I am, this is who I'm always going to be, and you take that cassette tape, that boom box, and you put it in, and you play those tapes over and over and over again. But the reality is, is this. If you have Christ, you have hope, and hope allows you to take those cassette tapes, throw them in the trash, and to move on with your life because the scripture says when you have hope, you have become a new creation. A new creation is who you are. The problem is, is that so many of us focus on the things that are around us and the things that we deal with on a daily basis that we can't put things behind us because we're so focused on what we see or what we feel. 
There's a scripture in 2 Kings. We're not going to read it, but I am going to, I'm going to tell you what happened. There's a, there's a scripture in 2 Kings and there's a battle being waged and there's a servant of Elisha and the Elisha's servant, it's in 2 Kings 6, if you want to read the story later on, the, the Elisha's servant is scared to death. And he's like, there's, there's this huge army and they're sitting in this valley and they can see it. And there's like, there's this huge army. They're going to come and destroy us. And Elisha says, no, you don't understand. No, but what I see in front of me, they're going to destroy us. And Elisha said, Lord, let him see the reality of the battle. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And on the hillside surrounding the battle were hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thousands of the Lord's army encamped around. Guys, I want to tell you something. Jesus has come. He is our hope. And he has said, it's okay. I'm here. I've promised to forgive you. I know you've made mistakes. I know you have past hurts. I know you're struggling and dealing with things. Let me be your hope. And why does he want us to be his hope? Well, that brings me to the third point. God uses his people to deliver hope to other people. We are the hope deliverers. Matthew talks about a city on a hill. There's a city on a hill. And you guys know the song, hide it under a bucket. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know that children's song. But here's the reality. We are to be the people that shine Christ's light and open up possibilities for people that are lost and have no hope because they do not know Christ as Lord and Savior. We are the people that deliver the hope. We had a shirt here a few years ago, and I'm going to be honest with you, I thought it was kind of corny. It said hope dealer. I thought it was corny. A lot of you guys love that shirt. I thought it was corny. But a lot of you guys love that shirt. But I thought it was corny. But I'll tell you this. Can I tell you this? When I wore that shirt out, I got so many compliments on that shirt. People were like, oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. I love that. I was like, you like this? Don't you think it's kind of cheesy? No, I love that. We had people from the school that were like, hey, can we get one of those shirts? And I'm like, no, you got to come to church. I didn't say that. I gave them one. But it's like I had so many people say, I love that. Cashiers, man, I love that shirt. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, really? Yeah. And I thought about it, and I was like, why do people love this shirt? Can I tell you why they love that shirt? Because all they get bombarded with every day is negativity, bad news, this is not going to work, that's not going to work, and on and on and on and on. And I thought, you know what? We are to be a hope dealer. We are to be a light. We are to be that for the world. 
That's why Hebrews 6.19 that they read earlier. Can we read that? Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope is a strong, and here's the word I love in this verse. It is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it leads us. What leads us? The hope. It leads us through the curtain, past the curtain, where only the, 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 the Holy of the Holies could go. Oh, it was inside the Holy of the Holies, past the curtain, the same curtain that was ripped from the top to the bottom whenever Christ died, that same curtain, it leads us into the curtain, into the inner sanctuary to God. It, the hope is strong and the hope is trustworthy. Wendy had that bumper sticker on the back of her car when our house was destroyed. And I drove that car to the location when our house was destroyed. And I saw that bumper sticker. And someone commented on the bumper sticker. Man, how true that bumper sticker is today. You've lost everything. Can I be honest with you guys about something? And we're not super spiritual, but I can tell you this. We lost our home. We never lost our hope. We didn't lose our hope. Why? How can you not lose your hope? How can you not see all your stuff destroyed? How can you not see everything you've ever you've worked for so hard? How can you not see everything destroyed and lose your hope and not stand there in pity and in, no, we did not. We did not. Can I tell you why we didn't lose our hope? It's not because we're super spiritual. It's because member after member after member after member after friend after friend after friend who all knew Jesus Christ shined the light of Christ onto us. The truth of the matter is that people showed up so much that we had no choice but then to have hope. We saw the same thing about a week and a half, two weeks ago here. Reagan Binker was in a car wreck two and a half weeks ago. And I've been posting updates, and I'm going to get by and see her this week. She's here in Noonan at the rehab place on Encompass. Truth was, with the way the accident happened, she probably shouldn't be here. And I got the news and I immediately called her mother who was on the way down and she was distraught as you would be and as I would be. And I started trying to encourage her at that point and I started getting information and I said, can I share this with the church? And she said, yes. And guess what happened when I shared it with the church? You all started calling and texting and praying. And she has told me countless times I cannot tell you how incredible it was, not the phone calls, not the text, but the prayers. I have felt your prayers, this is the word she used, carry us through this ordeal. Because we are to be the people who deliver the hope to others. Guys, this holiday season, as we start off through the Advent, I'm going to ask you to get your hope up. 
I'm going to ask you to be a person of hope. And I'm going to ask you to light the way for other people who have no hope and are in need of hope. God was with us and came near to us 2,000 years ago. And God is with us and is near to us right now. His name is Jesus Christ. And He is the hope of the world. Let me pray for you. God, we're thankful today that you are a living hope, an anchor for our soul. God, we ask you today to do what only you can do, to be only what only you can be, and to show yourself in a way that only you can do. God, many of us today have pain and hurts. Many of us today are in need of a touch. Many of us today are in need of answers. Many of us today have friends or family that are struggling. Many of us today are stressed out. Many of us today are, are looking for a glimmer of hope. God, I know where that can be found, and it's only in you. May we be people that turn to you. Maybe we be people that spread hope to others as we commit our lives daily to walking with you. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song. I'll be down here. So will Jonathan, if you have a prayer need, please just come see. If you just want to come to the altar, that's fine. The altar is always open. Let's sing our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.